0: Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Marlo Berliner. Marlo is an associate agent at the Jennifer DiChiara Literary Agency and is also an award winning Amazon number one best selling author of the Ghost Chronicles series. Marlo, how's it going? Great. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I haven't asked you yet where you're based. Tell us, are you in New York? Are you somewhere else?
1: Well, our offices are in New York at 245 Park Avenue, and I'll be there this week. Actually, at the moment, though, I'm at my house in northern New Jersey.
0: Tell us, how important is it for agents? I know a lot of agencies are based in New York. How important is it for agents to be based here?
1: I think it's definitely an advantage because, for instance, I quite frequently have meetings and lunches and coffees with editors. So it allows me that face-to-face meeting. I can also be there in New York for events um, on just a short train ride into the city. So I definitely think it does give me a bit of an edge uh, because I can, write, I can be right there where everything is happening.
0: Is there an advantage to writers being based in New York or does it not really matter anymore? Can you be anywhere and work perfectly fine with an agent or an editor?
1: Oh, I think that's probably true, that a writer could be anywhere, because you're going to find an agent who's going to advocate for you and get your work published, and you can pretty much do that from anywhere. There might be a slight advantage to being on either of the coasts, you know, as opposed to a small town, let's say, in the middle of the United States, just because you can set up more book signings you know, have more of your local outreach and have someone to outreach to if you're near a big city. But really, you could write anywhere.
0: So we normally frame our episodes around themes. In this episode, we want to hear about you, what you do. So we'd love to hear about writing from our literary agents perspective. Are you cool with that?
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. My first question, I mentioned who you are in your bio. You are a literary agent as well as an author. But as far as literary agents, there are sometimes different levels of agents. You are an associate agent. Can you walk us through what the different levels are, the hierarchies?
1: Okay, sure. At our agency, just as an example, we have a total of 12 agents. Uh, Jennifer DiChiara is, of course, the president. Uh, She founded the agency. We have one agent who's designated as a senior agent, one who's designated a literary agent, and the rest of the nine of us um, are designated as associates. But the the reality is that all these different designations, really, it just is a matter of who's been at the agency longer. There's no difference in what we're doing in our day-to-day jobs. Um, No matter what level an agent is at, we're all doing the same things. We're finding talented authors. We're getting their manuscripts ready for submission. We're submitting them to editors, particularly, of course, the big five publishers, and ultimately getting them publishing deals. And helping them manage their careers so we're all doing the same thing those designations at least in our agency are only a function of how long you've been with the agency so theoretically the longer you've been at the agency you'll move up the rock by doing more deals having more clients that sort of thing
0: you mentioned briefly a list of kind of what you do and we've heard that agents Discover authors, they work with authors to get their manuscript to a point where it's ready to get published. They work with editors and they help build writers' careers over time. Would you say that's an accurate summary? Am I missing anything?
1: Okay, I think that's largely accurate. I think we also, the one thing that I'd say is missing in that description is that we also act as liaison between our authors and their editors and houses. We advocate on their behalf if any bumps in the road should arise, you know, on the path to publication, and just to coordinate efforts uh, for the best launch of that book.
0: You mentioned also the big five. Would you mind clarifying who the big five are? I imagine it's Penguin, Random House, Simon & Schuster.
1: Penguin, Random House, HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster, and Macmillan.
0: And as far as being an agent, tell us what makes you different than other agents? Would you say you represent a specific type of writer or genre of writing?
1: Well, I love this question, actually, (laughs) because I feel like what makes me different from other associate or junior agents is that I'm not green or new to publishing. In fact, I've had a nearly 360-degree view of this industry. I've been involved in publishing in various capacities since 2007, first as a published author, then a freelance editor, a children's lead bookseller at Barnes & Noble, and then a literary intern before finally becoming an agent. And I had two internships as well. I first interned uh, for Molly Kerhon at the Bent Agency for over a year and then uh, interned at Jennifer's agency for close to eight months before becoming an agent. So I've seen this industry from all angles and thus have, have, I've accumulated a lot of knowledge in the process. So the type of writer I'm looking for is someone like me who wants a career in publishing, wants a career as an author someone who hasn't just written one book, but loves writing and is looking to write many more books in the future. As far as what genres I'm looking for, the age groups and genres I represent are picture book, middle grade, YA, and gen- the genres of women's fiction, romance, mystery, thriller, and suspense on the adult side, on the adult, you know, in the adult fiction arena.
0: As far as writers who have only written one book, you had mentioned that you're looking for someone who's maybe written more books. For those who are new and starting out, are you saying that you would still be open to a new writer, but in that case, they would have had to have written a few books on their own prior to kind of reaching out? Or
1: Oh, no, I just mean that they're not, uh, that they're not just a one-trick pony, that they're looking to make this a career, that they're you know the kind of person who uh, has a lot of ideas in the hopper, that kind of thing.
0: What makes for a good agent? What qualities do you possess? I know you mentioned that you have the experience. Would you say that that has led to your success? Are there other things that agents need to be specifically good at that helps them to succeed?
1: Well, as far as me, I definitely think that's added to my skill set for sure. You know, that 360 degree view of publishing. But for the most part, for any agent coming to this job, I feel like strong editing skills are a must and very strong interpersonal skills which also goes in hand in hand with great salesmanship. A big part of an agent's job, let's face it, is to talk with, pitch, and submit to editors. So you have to have the skill set to do all that and be very comfortable doing that. I not only send out pitches via email and submission packages, but I also meet with them face-to-face and you know, pitch. So you have to be very comfortable with that. I went into agenting because a few years ago, Someone saw how skilled I was at pitching my own books, and they said to me, you know, you'd make a great agent. So, you know, I kind of took that advice, and I thought, well, maybe I would be good at this. And the rest is history, I guess.
0: The query letter. Before we get into the details of what makes a good query letter, can you walk us through briefly how the query letter process works on a high level?
1: Certainly. So I get roughly about two dozen queries a day. Um, that I have to go through. So, you know, there's a lot coming in, volume-wise. So, you know, that's your competition. So you you have to make your queries stand out. So queries for me come through an online form uh, through Query Manager. The link to submit a query is on my profile page on the JDLA website. Besides putting in your query and uh, you don't attach your pages, you just kind of upload it to that form. I know some, a lot of agents get emailed the query and the pages are in the body of the email. Mine is actually even easier because of the form, so I love it. But it asks you, in addition to just your query and your pages, my form also asks you all sorts of questions that help me find out a little bit more about you. What other publication credits you might have? Are you, uh, do you have social media accounts? It asks a number of things. Uh, I make the synopsis optional. You can attach one if you like, or you know you can add it to the form if you like. But basically, I, once you fill out all that information and hit submit, I review that query and I either request your full or reject. Um, it's easy for me because it's at the click of one button. And then right now my response time is running about three to four weeks. But I actually usually respond to queries within one to two weeks, but the summer was a little slow because of an illness and a death in my family. So um, it's taken me a little longer to catch up, but I'm getting there. For the, um, and then from the time I receive your full manuscript, it can take up to eight to ten weeks to read your full.
0: For the query letter, when they send it through, the actual body of the letter, is mm-hmm. there a formatting that you suggest?
1: I think so. Uh, To me, a successful query begins with the title, uh, the age group or genre, and the word count. That's so that I know what I'm supposed to be considering. If you throw me right into characters and I don't know their age, I don't know whether I'm, you know, I represent children's fiction as well as adult fiction. So I don't know what I'm supposed to be reading if you don't tell me, you know, the age group and genre as well as the word count. So I always like a query to begin with that, kind of just the facts, ma'am. Then <laughs> it's an added bonus if you can add just a line about a personalization about why you specifically queried me. For instance, if you met me at a conference or you heard me on a podcast or read an interview about me in Publishers Weekly, something like that. Something that just tells me you're not throwing spaghetti up at a wall. You've really kind of researched me a little bit. That always kind of warms my heart. From there, the query should clearly describe who the main character is, what the dilemma is that they've been thrown into, and what the stakes are. That's really the meat of the query. So be sure to show me the hook or what makes your story unique. It needs to read like the back cover of a book. You don't need to tell me everything that happens, but you and you don't tell me the ending. You're basically just trying to tell me just enough to entice me to want to read your book and then end the query with a short bio that tells me about yourself, particularly your writing pursuits, publications, and any writing accolades. I don't need to know about your cat. I don't need to know about your hobbies unless they somehow are, you know, intricate to the plot of the book. Like, for instance, your book is about base jumping and you're a fabulous base jumper and you've done that in your life. Then it's applicable to your story. Um, otherwise, you can leave all of that out. Then, of course, as far as the you know part of the queries, either attaching or sending the pages, I would say just they have to be the most sparkling for me anyway. The most sparkling first twenty pages that you can send me. I need to see a well thought out original concept with memorable characters, a great voice, and solid polished writing. Um, a little hint: I ask for 20 pages. I know a lot of agents ask for five to 10. I ask for 20 on purpose because I want to see how you've ended your first chapter, you know, whether it's ended on a hook and how you've transitioned into your second chapter. And by 20 pages, usually you've had to end a chapter. So that's, I do that strategically on purpose because that's just so important to story. But basically, in those pages, I'm looking for you to draw me into your story, into your world, into your character's dilemma immediately. Make those first 20 pages so great, I simply have to ask for more. And if I do, then please send me a full manuscript that has all of the above through to the very last page, because just too many submissions fall apart.
0: In the query letter, how often would you say that the voice, the way that the letter itself is written, correlates to the quality of writing that you then discover with the author? Would you say that you're kind of right from the beginning able to tell how good a writer is from their query letter itself?
1: Not always. The two are very, very different skill sets. Not everyone knows how to summarize and encapsulate their story perfectly. That comes over time with you know, doing it time and time again and maybe helping some of your critique partners summarize their story and come up with really great blurbs. Definitely, uh, sometimes it does go hand in hand, but I am always going to read the pages. The pages, are, the pages trump all. Basically, I will read those pages and I stop where I stop. Hopefully, I continue all the way through to the end of the 20 pages you've sent me and I make a request. If the writing falls apart on the first page, I stop. If it falls apart on the second page, I stop. So that's why those first 20 pages have to be really, really stellar. I'm always going to give the pages a chance, even if the query is weak.
0: You mentioned that you like when a writer puts a little personalization into the letter, so that it's about why they reached out to you. Is there such a thing as making that letter too personalized?
1: Not really. I mean, luckily, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> had anything that seemed real stalkerish. I know some <laughs> of my colleagues have. but. If you mention that you know my son goes to Penn State or you mention that you know I have a son that goes to Rutgers, I know I've mentioned those things on Twitter. It's going to kind of give me a little chuckle, but it's not going to sway me one way or the other whether I request your full. So it, it doesn't really help you. Maybe I think it's cute. Maybe it gives me an idea that you're a personable type and a nice person, but... Ultimately, that type of personalization won't help you. Show me that you've done your homework and, you know, like I said, listened to a podcast about me or read an interview about me. Something like that holds more weight.
0: And then, as far as the query letter itself, you know, you summarized it and gave kind of tips on how to write it, but is there a secret to it? Is there a thing that writers do right? Is there a thing that writers do wrong?
1: Well, definitely, if a writer is able to show me a tight, well-written blurb, oftentimes that does make me, you know, stand up and pay attention. That would be probably secret number one. And secret number two is just those strong pages. It really is. It's the pages that I'm going to decide on. You know, the truth of the matter is great story ideas or premises are a dime a dozen. It's the execution of that story idea that matters. And that's what I'm looking for in the pages is great execution. I think what many writers do wrong in their queries is sending off a query for a book way too soon before the book is really ready and just simply not learning enough about their craft and also possibly not knowing what books are selling in their genre today. I get a lot of queries from people who are trying to write young adults. But the only young adult books they're familiar with are books that maybe were out 15, 20 or more years ago. And they're writing in that style, that kind of voice. That's just not going to fly today. So you have to know what's in the market in your genre today. What do those books sound like? What do they look like? How are they structured? That will get you a lot farther. And then, like I said, simply knowing craft, because I see so many queries that I'm actually crushed because the premise is fantastic, but then the pages just don't hold up. That does neither one of us any good.
0: You mentioned that if you like a query letter, you will then request 20 pages. But as far as the manuscript itself, before a writer submits it, how close to being completely finished should that manuscript be before they even contact you?
1: I feel like it should be as great as they can make it, almost 100% that they truly feel it's as good as and perfect as any book they could find on the shelf at Barnes & Noble. The bar is just very, very high. You know, I mentioned how many queries I'm getting a day. That number just keeps going up. So you need to have put that book through the paces with multiple beta readers, critique partners, multiple revisions. The key to a great manuscript is revise, 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 tighten, tighten, tighten. Because with each revision pass you make, the book will get stronger and stronger and closer to being publishable. I would never recommend that a writer send out a first or even second draft. There's just no way a book is ready. It crushes me when I see someone that sends me a query and they say, you know, it's December 10th and they say, well, I just finished this book for ramo which takes place in November. and uh-huh. Here they are already sending it to me there's almost no way that that kind of lightning is going to strike and that book is going to be perfect and ready to go. So I would say, you know, have multiple people read it, not just friends and relatives at all, but skilled critique partners, other writers, other published authors, if you can, and put that book through multiple revisions until you almost can't look at it anymore. Then it might be ready for me.
0: Are you able to say how many people you represent? And also, you know, you mentioned that you're getting a lot of query letters every day. What's the percentage of people that contact you that you actually end up wanting to work with?
1: Okay, so I've been an agent now since November of uh, 2018, so about 10 months, and I've taken on six clients. Roughly, because I do look at these numbers, I request, you know, people send me their initial 20 pages, and then I request their full from there. There's no intermediary step. I never ask for 50 or 100. It's always to ask for the full once your 20 pages have gotten past me. I generally ask for about 5% wind up being requested for the full. And then out of those fulls, I might take on roughly about a client a month.
0: We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city. While our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com writerexperience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writerexperience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favourite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favourite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's A Classic Podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. And then once you start working with that client, with that writer, what are the next steps? Obviously, you've read the manuscript. Are you then kind of rereading it with them? Are you providing your own notes? What's that area look like between when you start working with a writer and when you're ready to submit to editors?
1: Okay, well, I'm a very, very editorial agent. I don't believe in sending a manuscript out, even as great as a manuscript has to be uh, for me to say I'm willing to represent it. I'm going to take it even further before I send it to editors because, of course, again, it does no good for anyone if all we do is get rejections. And again, I've been in this industry long enough to know that the bar is extremely, extremely high. So, The first thing I do is I reread the manuscript cover to cover. I'll put together an editorial letter for my client addressing any big picture issues that I see. Those could be things like, you know, chapter two needs a stronger, needs to end on a stronger hook. Uh, Chapter 14 feels like it loses the correct tone, something like that. The scene needs a better transition inconsistencies with a plot point, something like that. So I try to address all those big picture issues first. And then, so I'll send that to my client and then we'll get on a phone call. And I'll go over those big picture items just to make sure that what I've said to them is clear and they're clear on what their path is going to be to fix any of those issues. Once my author has nailed those revisions and sent those back to me, I go in for a deeper line edit. And all along this process, I'll put comments and different track changes. I use track changes right in Word. And I will basically, you know, the second time around, we'll go in for a deeper line edit just to tighten up the writing anywhere I think there's redundancies, anywhere I think that the wording is dragging down the pacing or anything like that. And then once those are done, I do a final pass you know, final, last polish. And then um, once we believe it's as perfect as it can be, then we declare it final and I submit.
0: As far as that time period where you're working with the writer, once you get to a point where you want to work with that writer, do you already kind of know that you guys are going to get along in a certain way? Do you already kind of know what they're going to be like?
1: Well, you know, I don't go through that editorial process with a manuscript unless I've decided it's so good to begin with that I can take it on. So the book has to be about 95% of the way there, and I'll bring it the rest of the way to the 100%. But the way I determine um, whether or not I'm willing to work with an author is I have to believe in their manuscript. I have to believe I can publish it and get it published for them. But then I get on a phone call with them before I offer representation, and I basically feel them out. You know, are these, is this going to be an author I think I can work with? Are they open to revisions? Are they willing to hear my guidance and my suggestions for the vision of their book? You know, I'm going to ask what are their goals for their career, whether or not they're willing to promote themselves in their books, what other manuscript ideas they have in the hopper, that sort of thing. Again, I'm looking for that career author, that author who is going to be easy to work with, and I'm looking to gauge all of that. So I have the phone call. So basically, to answer your question, it's a phone <laughs> call.
0: What does your pitch then look like? Is there a query version of what you send to editors?
1: There is. As I say, uh, oftentimes, I do pitch to editors um, face-to-face. They'll ask me you know, what I have coming down the pipeline, and I might just talk to them about you know, what my authors are working on and what I think will be ready for submission very soon. So that's one way to do it. The other is essentially um, a pitch letter that we email to them. Sometimes the two go hand in hand. Sometimes I've talked to them ahead of time, face to face, and then I'm following up with that pitch letter. But I usually begin with the original query the author sent to me. I'll look at it and I'll, you know, I make a judgment as to whether or not I feel it best represents their story. In most cases, it doesn't 100% and I have to Mush it around a bit, write it a little better. Occasionally, I've taken an author's original query verbatim, but very that's very, very unlikely. Usually, I have to improve upon it, uh, make it the strongest pitch it can be. I also add some things. I add where I see the book in the market and what fans I think the book might appeal to. And then I also have one other trade secret I won't divulge
0: because <laughs> just
1: too clever and I don't want everyone else to do it.
0: As far as I know you pitch to those editors, what's your relationship with them like? Similar to your relationship with an author, I'm assuming you have a close relationship with some of the editors. How do you build that network of editors and how do you kind of make sure that you're staying on good terms with them and that kind of thing?
1: Well, I had established relationships with many editors before I ever became an agent. Again, that's as a function of having been in publishing for 12 years. I met some of them at conferences. I ran a major publishing conference for a major writing group where we would get between three dozen and four dozen agents and editors that would show up. And because I ran the conference, I got to know all of them. So I had a lot of established relationships to begin with, but since becoming an agent, I've definitely worked hard to reach the rest of them that I don't know. I like to leave every editor with the best impression of me. So if, if there's an editor, for instance, that I don't know, I'll reach out with a very professional query letter, basically introducing myself that I'm a relatively new agent and would they please send me their wish list or would they like to meet for coffee or lunch? And uh, many of them have followed up with wanting face-to-face contact, which I always love because I feel like you get the best impression of someone when you actually get to meet them. So I'm always doing, I'm always working some part of the week on what I call editor reach out, which is again, to establish those connections with, uh, the editors who, uh, acquire for the genres I represent. Uh, it's like constant because, by the time you, you never want your intel what i call editor intel to get too cold you want to know what they're looking for minute to minute maybe their ya list has gotten you know too full and now they're looking to acquire more middle grade titles you know whatever's going on you really do need to have your finger on that pulse
0: and then once an editor decides let's take this manuscript and and make it a book and publish it what's your involvement when a writer is working with an editor, are you still heavily involved? Do you kind of take a step back? What does that look like, and how long does that process go on for?
1: Well, I think most of us agents take a step back because that's what we're supposed to do. Once an author is directly working with their editor, it's up to their editor to take the lead with that book as far as revisions and uh, getting the book ready for publication. I'll step in, of course, if my author asks for my help. Or, for instance, says, you know, I just got the revision letter for the editorial letter from my editor and I don't quite understand it or I don't quite know how I'm going to solve this or that. I'd be happy to get on a phone call with my author and slog through that. You know, I've had published author friends of mine who took one look at their editorial letters and burst into tears. So I would never want my author to feel like they were alone in that part of the process. I would want to work with them. And again, I like getting my hands dirty and playing with stories. So that's the part I, you know, I enjoy all of that. So I would want to work with my author to help them. And then coordinating any efforts between the editor and the publishing house um, for the best launch of that book. So in a way we step back, but we're always willing to step back in when we're needed.
0: And how do you know when a book is ready to be published? At what point are you kind of like, okay, this is about ready to rock? Or is it more dependent on when the editor feels like it's ready?
1: It's really dependent on whether the editor feels it's ready. You know, there are deadlines to publication that'll be set up in the contract, usually, that'll say, you know, final revisions are due by such and such date. Because, of course, the publisher has to meet deadlines. Um, So your author will have a deadline with their revisions. And it's important for them to get their revisions back to the editor on time. And so largely, a lot of that's driven by the publishing house and whether they see it, you know, as a fall release or a spring release, all that kind of thing. But of course, I'd be willing to nudge my author and always make sure they're meeting their deadlines.
0: When a book is released after that point, I know there's promotion involved. What does that look like for the author? What does that look like for you? And at what point should they start working on, let's say, their next project?
1: I've told all of my authors while they're out on submission, before they have a contract, even while they have a contract, (laughs) it's never too soon to start on the next book. Especially if you're out on submission right now, that is the most free you will ever be because that's the time to play with your writing, that's the time to entertain you know, those two or three ideas and see which one really starts to speak to you and floats to the top. Definitely be writing, be writing, be writing, because deadlines come all too fast. Once you're in a contract, um, those deadlines loom ahead. And they, like I said, they come up awful fast. So the most free he'll ever be is when you're actually out on submission. And while you are waiting for your editor to send back that first editorial letter, be writing. Why not? You'll be you know one leg up because once you have a book coming out, there's just an awful lot to do as an author, a lot of balls in the air, a lot of things to juggle. so basically be writing every spare minute you can. I'm not saying don't have a life um, I'm not <laughs> saying you know, don't take breaks, but never squander time for sure as far as when the book is released and what we do to support our authors i have a lot of marketing advice i've learned myself as a published author i've put that together in some files that i would you know give to my author whose book was launching and coming out because i truly believe there's a lot an author can do even a traditionally published author can do to create buzz for their own book in coordination with their publisher's efforts. Even traditionally published authors should never just sit back and figure, oh, okay, now my debut book is out, so it's just going to sell. (laughs) Um, Or the publisher will see to it that it sells. Oh, no, those days are long over. So you've got to be, you know, if your book is in the children's fiction arena, you're going to need to set up school visits, maybe need to set up your own book signings set up your own newsletter, basically be doing anything and everything you can to make sure that the launch of that book is as strong as it can be. And I would help in that process.
0: As far as the future of the author's career, in the long run, what is your involvement helping build a writer's career?
1: Well, from that first book, my job is to give them any necessary advice to further their career. By guiding them through the process of figuring out what to write next, um, keeping them on their deadlines, decision making, like whether or not to write in another genre, making sure that they're doing all they can uh, to market their books. There's a lot of things that don't cost much or don't cost anything at all that you can be doing to market your books and basically helping them stay on top of assessing where they're at in the market and how their books are performing and helping them, you know, advising them on what they could do better or do differently.
0: And what's the end goal both for the authors that you represent and for you as an agent? Obviously, I imagine you want the author to be huge, you know, best-selling <laughs> author as well. And for you, what's the end goal? Is there a certain trajectory that you're looking for for yourself?
1: Well, you know, everyone says or you hear a lot that their end goal is to be a New York Times best-selling author or something like that. But, you know, success in publishing isn't measured by just hitting a list. I want my authors to feel like they're achieving the success thereafter, meeting their goals. You know, making a living at their writing is always usually a writer's goal. And I'd love to see some of my authors, you know, being able to do that, if that's their goal. You know, basically pushing their books as far as they can go, getting their foreign rights sold, if that's a possibility, there's subsidiary rights, merchandising rights, basically taking each project that they've worked so hard on to go as far as it can possibly go. Because you never want a book to just get up there on the shelf and just languish, and then that's it. Um, you know, it's taken off the shelves at Barnes and Noble, and the ride is over. So we're going to look to push that baby as far as she can go. And personally, I'd like to see all of my authors get booked to film deals.
0: (laughs) Are you ready for what we call a series of seemingly random questions?
1: Absolutely.
0: The first question, you are also an author of the Ghost Chronicles series. Is it common for agents to also be authors? And does that experience help you as an agent when you work with authors?
1: I don't know whether it's common per se, but if you look around, there certainly are a growing number of agents who are also authors. My experience as an author, I think, has definitely helped me as an agent, without a doubt. As I say, you know, I've been on both sides of the fence, so I know firsthand how high the bar for publication is, so I keep my expectations in a manuscript just as high. A little background, the Ghost Chronicle series was probably read by no less than 30 agents who read the full. It was probably read by about a dozen editors. That came through my own, you know, meeting them, pitching it at a conference, them requesting a couple requested revisions. I went back and forth with a major publisher for over a year. It very, very, very nearly got published. So again, I know how high the bar is. So that experience has helped me a great deal. Then the book came out and it has now sold to date. 10,000 copies, which is pretty good. It's actually excellent for an indie published book. That would even be good if it was a traditionally published book. So I'm pretty happy with how the book has done. I truly feel like it should have gotten a traditional publishing deal. But again, that bar is very high, and no one at the time felt that the book made it. You know, the book has won several awards and, you know, garnered a lot of accolades. But at the end of the day, still you know, did not meet the mark for being traditionally published. So, you know, having been in the shoes of an author and getting that far with my book, I appreciate what it feels like. And I want to be an author's best advocate. And the other thing about being an author that has helped me as an agent is I think I bring some mad writing skills to the game.
0: As far as self-publishing versus publishing through a big publishing company, what are the pros and the cons? Would you suggest... Going that route for certain writers as opposed to trying to get an agent, trying to get it published through a big publisher?
1: Okay. Well, people have a lot of different feelings on this. And <laughs> I can only give you my opinion. Because again, I sought traditional publishing long before I decided to self publish, you know. But after submitting that book and submitting it and revising it and, you know, getting so close so many times, I did decide to self publish. It's not something I would recommend necessarily unless you thought a book was very, very strong. I'm being completely honest. I knew my book was strong because of the feedback I was getting because people almost took it on and that kind of thing. So the pro to self-publishing is that you get to be the boss and make all the decisions about your book and do all the necessary things. But the con is the discoverability in the market. It's so difficult because there are just so many books out there. The better you do all those things right, you know, the better chance you'll have. But many times, even if you do, your book may still not generate enough sales to make your efforts worthwhile. So, you know, I myself only went the self-publishing route because I had kind of exhausted the traditional publishing route. And in the meantime, while I was waiting to get The answer from, for instance, that one big publishing house, I took that year to learn everything I could about self-publishing before I ever decided to go that route. So I would say, you know, learn everything you can before you decide to take that big step. You know, the pros to traditional publishing, in my mind, outweigh any cons. You know, you have a publisher who will help your book from the get-go be the best it can be. You know, that includes everything from content to cover and everything in between, getting it the best distribution and, you know, giving it that marketing push that it really needs. The cons, maybe if there is one, is a little less control. But in the end, I think if I had it to do all over again, you know, I definitely was happy I self-published. But I still myself am seeking to be a traditionally published author. I think it's the much stronger way to go.
0: The next question: If you could take any writer, living or dead, to any fast food restaurant and potentially sign them, who would you choose? Which restaurant and why?
1: I have to say, I would choose J.K. Rowling. I know you know she's had some some blowback lately, but I still adore her. She's kind of responsible for my Ghost Chronicles series. Part of the Harry Potter series, The Ghosts in the Hogwarts Castle, inspired the writing of the Ghost Chronicles. So I'd say I'd have to take J.K. Rowling, and I would take her to McDonald's because I would just want to see if she would dip her french fries in her shake.
0: What is one piece of advice or learning from your career if you have to choose one thing that you'd like to pass along to those writers listening right now?
1: Definitely read current works in the genre you're writing in. Read all you can. And never stop learning your
0: craft. Love that. One more bonus question, just because I was Mm -hmm. thinking about it as you mentioned it. You mentioned that sometimes writers aspire to be on the New York Times bestsellers list. What is different about that list? Can you break it down how that list differs from other lists and why that's at the upper echelon of success, so to speak?
1: Because I think over the years, for better or for worse, that list has gathered a lot of clout with readers. So the minute a reader or someone, you know, a browser in Barnes & Noble sees New York Times bestseller on a book, even though the list has changed so many times over in criteria and what it takes to hit the list and all of that, nobody outside of the publishing industry really knows that. So they see that moniker on the book that it's a New York Times number one bestseller and immediately that book is vetted. Immediately it has clout. Immediately it's what they and their neighbors and their friends and their sister wants to read. <laughs> so it just has that, it carries that power, still does.
0: The last question, drum roll please. Harry, please hand me the envelope. I've been handed the envelope. I'm now opening that envelope. Question is Did you have fun today?
1: Oh, I absolutely did. I always, you know, putting information out there that might help writers.
0: Well, I think he did. I think he provided a lot of information that could help writers. I thought this was a really fun one, and I really appreciate your insights and your time. Did you want to plug any projects or shout out your Twitter handle before you go?
1: Well, I do have some good news coming soon about some client projects. I can't say anything official just yet, but my Twitter handle is just at Marlo Berliner, my name.
0: Thank you so much, Marlo. We really appreciate your insights and your time and we hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: Alrighty. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. having me. And
0: thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at WriterEXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin MacLeod.